But it's time that I can't use Rosemary on the door It's time once again for another edition of Best Buds, brought to you by Treehouse Craft Cannabis 61 Silva Lane in Draken. I'm Gary Francis. We're here at 980 WCAP. The purpose of Best Buds is to educate and inform you about the marijuana industry and the laws in Massachusetts and to talk to some of the suppliers, vendors, and folks who were involved in the legislation that brought the whole product to market. Our guest today is James T. Welch, former state senator from West Springfield. Uh, Shall I call you Jim or James? Uh, Jim's great. Jim, okay, Jim, welcome to 980 WCAP and Best Buds. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, we really appreciate it. You were in the legislature for the entire cannabis timeline, from the time it was decriminalized until it became legal for adults to use. From 2008, when the ballot initiative decriminalizing small amounts of cannabis, up until 2012, when cannabis was legalized for medical patients, and then to uh, 2016, when the voters overwhelmingly voted for adult use, were your colleagues in the legislature right along with the voters, or were they slow to get behind everything? Well, you know, serving in the Senate, um, I think we saw the writing on the wall, um, you know, midstream where, you know, we knew that the ballot question was was going to be coming up. And we knew, you know, because of the polling and the public sentiment that, you know, the more than likely, although we had medical or medicinal marijuana approved in Massachusetts, um, we we had a good pretty good feeling that uh, the voters were probably going to approve um, recreational marijuana. Uh-huh. Um, so whether or not folks were on one side of the issue or the other for or against, I think, you know, in terms of the <clears throat> members of the Senate and especially the members, um, that were ultimately appointed to the special commission kind of had an understanding that it was most likely going to become a reality in Massachusetts. So I would say it was, it was, I wouldn't say a foregone conclusion, but it was it was understood that it was likely. Hmm. Now, when it comes to ballot initiatives, in the past, I've spoken to many legislators. I know some of them are fans of referendums and some don't like them at all. Uh, much major legislation has been approved directly by voters. I can think way back in the uh, 70s and 80s when Jerry Williams uh, was having his ballot initiatives about uh, seat belts, and then at first they were they were legal, then they weren't legal, then they were legal again. So I mean that that's gone on. Uh, what are your thoughts on ballot initiatives like the uh, three cannabis ones? Well, you know, it's always nice to hear and, and be able to kind of get a understanding of of where the voters lie on a, a very important issue, a uh, very important policy issue. Um, you know, as serving, having served as a legislator, um, you know, ballot questions do make you, I want to say a little bit nervous, but you have to be cautious because, you know, sometimes, um, you know, the questions that are put before the voters, um, are very technical. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, you know, very, can be very confusing. Sometimes you vote yes and it really means no. Sometimes you vote no and it really means yes. Yeah. Um, just because of the way the question is worded. Um, 
So there are certain things that I think, you know, as policymakers, um, you have to take uh, into consideration when you when you look at what the final vote uh, comes out to be. But in the end, you know, when the voters speak, I think as legislators, more often than not, um, you know, you know, you want to be able to, you know, comply or at least kind of uh, take what the voters have have sent you as a message and be able to try and form uh, some public policy that's that's fair mm-hmm. and is also something that makes you know complete sense uh, for the time that we're in. Now, you had a very unique uh, career in the legislature. You served both in the House and the Senate. You were the uh, uh, sixth uh, Hamden District House of Representatives uh, uh, person from 2005 to 2010. Then from 2011 to 2021, you represented the same district as a senator. And so that gave you a, a real look at the both sides of the aisle, so to speak. Very much so. Uh, my district, when I was in the House, uh, was mostly a, a suburban district. Uh-huh. Uh, my home, hometown of West Springfield uh, made up the bulk of my House district. Um, and then I had um, precincts in both Chicopee and one precinct in Chick- uh, Springfield as well uh, that made up my district. But the, the center point in the bulk of my or the real core of my district, 28,000 of the 40,000 uh, people, uh, were from West Springfield. And then when I got elected to the Senate, because Senate districts are four times the size as House districts, um, the, the vast majority of my district was made up of more of an urban core district uh, in the city of Springfield. Um, so as you can imagine, you know, a suburban town and a an urban community both have unique challenges. Many of them are, are you know, many challenges that they that both communities face are are the same, but there are certain certain challenges I think that an urban community faces that a suburban community doesn't face, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Um, so, you know, it was a great learning experience and being able to uh, learn from folks that live in both both communities or all you know several communities and have been brought up in different backgrounds. So you do learn uh, quite a bit from from folks that um, you know. Uh, that have different backgrounds, no question about it. I remember back in uh, 2018, 2017, around there, the legislature voted to delay the implementation of the the cannabis bills up to about six months at one point. And then the House went and passed a bill that felt made too many changes in the language of the law. The Senate had passed a bill much closer to the referendum's language. What was going on between the two bodies at that time? Was there tension going on or what was the story there? Well, there's always a little bit of, you know, on a, on a large policy issue, especially something like this, when you're talking about, you know, bringing in a, a, a brand new industry into the Commonwealth. Um, although we, you know, obviously had medicinal marijuana had, had been up and running for a little while um, this was a this was a big change. So in terms of tension, there's always professional tension between, you know, the House and the Senate on a on a large policy bill. Um, you know, obviously you got between the House and the Senate, you got 160 members on the House side, you got 40 on the Senate side. That's a lot of different opinions that you have to try and uh, meld together and uh, try and come up with one final compromise piece of legislation. So. 
tension, um, professional tension. Not, uh, I don't think anything ever gets to the point where it's, you know, personal tension, but, right. um, you know, and then ultimately, you know, that tension, which is, you know, the way our forefathers decided, uh, was, uh, the way we should approach, uh, legislation and, and how our government works and, you know, push back from one body to the, to the next and vice versa, ultimately, hopefully, um, creates in, uh, a final piece of legislation that, uh, is the best product that, uh, it could be. Huh. Now, the first uh, two adult use dispensaries opened in November of 2018, as I recall. So we're over four years now with people being able to purchase recreational cannabis in Massachusetts. Do you think the original cannabis law and the recent updates passed in the past year or so have worked well in Massachusetts? Or are things that you would have changed knowing what you know now? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I don't, you know, I, from my standpoint, it looks like it's gone very well. Uh, the rollout, you know, some people and, you know, I know timing was always an issue of, of, of communities and the state getting the, the, uh, uh, the procedures and the rules and regulations, uh, rolled out. But, you know, again, we were, bringing in a brand new industry of a controlled substance or what was previously a, a controlled substance or a legal substance, I guess. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting to say that now, but um, so it, it's hard to say what changes. You're always in a large piece of legislation and something that's brand new. Um, I think as a legislator or legislative body, you know, you go into it, you try and put the best, um, best piece of legislation or the best policy forward with the understanding that there may be need for changes as, as time goes on and you evaluate that, <clears throat> excuse me, you evaluate those, uh, those issues that come up and uh, make proposals to, 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 you know, twerk the law a little bit here and there or tweak it a little bit here and there uh, just to make it a better piece of uh, piece of policy going forward. And ultimately, you know, with, with always keeping in mind that any changes that you make are hopefully in the best interest of all the people in Massachusetts mm -hmm. and those people that have, you know, invested their uh, harder money into, you know, opening up businesses and the consumers. You want to just keep all that in mind. But, um, you know, there's always going to be opportunity to make uh, small changes here and there. Yeah. Now, when you were representing uh, the Springfield area in both the House and Senate, you mentioned that... Uh, in one form, you were mainly representing West Springfield, which is a pretty urban area. And then after that, uh, you went to uh, a more urban area in the other side of the aisle. Uh, in West Springfield, there are a few adult dispensaries. Have the dispensaries in an urban area versus a suburban area been positive for the local's economy or are they neutral or uh, do they seem to help one area better than the other? Well, we're st still very early in the process. Uh, Springfield um, does have several dispensaries open, um, uh, recreational dispensaries open and other businesses as well. Um, I would say from a standpoint of being able to measure, you know, how it's impacting the economy, it's probably a, I would say a little bit too early on that. There is definitely revenues that are coming in and helping, you know, the uh, 
um, the municipality um, across the river in West Springfield is very interesting because we do have one uh, medicinal marijuana um, uh, store that has been open for a few years. And this, that's the mayor and the city council have just recently voted to approve recreational marijuana sales in West Springfield. Uh, the town had put in a, uh, an order, you know, putting off that, um, that for a while, but ultimately they, they did take the vote, um, just within the last six months or so, uh, to move forward. And right now it's just uh, going through the RFP process where, uh, companies are applying to the sit, uh, to the town of West Springfield, um, to battle it out, I suppose, for two, uh, retail, uh, marijuana dispensaries to be located in West Springfield. Mm. So West Springfield put a cap, put a cap on the amount of dispensaries it would allow at mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. from a retail mm-hmm. standpoint. In Springfield, there's more of a soft cap. Um, they've gone through two ro- uh, two rounds and they indicated in both rounds how many um, shops that they would allow or that they were going to um, uh, approve. So mm. um, there's several in Springfield. There's one medicinal in West Springfield and there will be an additional uh, two recreational in West Springfield, uh, probably, I would say, within the next year or so. All right. We're speaking to uh, Jim Welsh, former state senator from the West Springfield area. And you're listening to Best Buds, being brought to you by Treehouse Craft Cannabis, 61 Silver Lane in Drake. You can call them at 978-971-0420. You can also visit their website, visit treehousema.com. They're open for your uh, in-person visiting Monday through Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Sundays from 10 to 6. They are your closest dispensary to I-93 and to Routes 213 in the Drake at Methuen area. Now, you know, here in the Lowell area, we've got, uh, I think Lowell has four dispensaries. Drake has four dispensaries. Bill Ricca has just opened one. There's some coming to uh, Groton, Dunstable, Pepperell. Uh, I know when I head out to my favorite diner out in Ayer, I go by at least two of them. So they are much more prevalent, it seems, over here in the eastern part of Massachusetts. Yeah, um, I suppose, you know, more population in the eastern part of the state probably uh, results in the need for more stores. Uh, You know, um, it seems to be a a popular product. Uh, I know the stores uh, that are open around around me out here, um, you know, especially when they first open, um, you know, are often, you know, lines out the door. Um, that has kind of softened a little bit now with the addition of, of, of additional or more store, more retail shops. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a popular product. Uh, and, you know, I think people appreciate, um, the opportunity to go and purchase a product, and know what they're getting, know that it's a safe product, know that it's been tested and it's gone through all the the protocols that it needs to go through. And, you know, from a recreational standpoint, uh, being able to, to, to buy a product that they can use and use safely. Um, and that's why I think you see a lot of, a lot of stores popping up. The market's there for it. Let's, uh, let's change channels here for a minute. I know there are a lot of regulations on marketing for cannabis, 
Uh, there were some newspapers, national radio, Facebook, and Instagram. They will allow ads or they aggressively monitor and b- even ban cannabis marketing. Uh, so you get a lot of billboard ads or even in senior citizen newsletters. I've been seeing the ads uh, popping up. What's your take on that? Uh, we have a lot of billboards out in our area too. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's funny you mentioned that cause you can drive down, you know, 91 or, or 291 and, you know, billboard, you know, after billboard, after billboard is a different, uh, cannabis shop, you know, saying to go, you know, go to Hoyoke, exit six, exit five or whatever it is, or, you know, 12 miles up, up 91, it's, uh, <laughs> this shop. So, uh, there certainly is uh, quite a bit of billboard advertisement. Uh, it doesn't bother me. Um, you know, I have a, I'm a parent of two teenage boys. Uh, one's 14, the other one is 16. And obviously, as any parent, you know, you want to be able to have those discussions with, with your kids about, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the legal aspects, especially of 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 marijuana and sometimes you know you know you look at a billboard and you're like ah but you know it also provides an opportunity and opens up an opportunity to have a conversation with your with your kids about you know what marijuana is why people use it and why they shouldn't use it um until they're at an appropriate age so Uh um and and then you know from the standpoint of uh seniors um senior newsletters. Um, I know many seniors who um, use marijuana uh, for many different reasons, whether it be um, or cannabis use, use cannabis for many different reasons, whether it be, you know, some type of medicinal reason, maybe that helps them sleep. Maybe it's just something that, that eases their joint pain. Um, You name it. And, you know, Uh I think, you know, as time has gone on, folks have realized that there's a lot of different uh, benefits to, um, you know, utilizing cannabis, um, not just from the standpoint of quote unquote getting high. So sure, sure. it doesn't surprise, doesn't, doesn't surprise me at all, uh, that there are advertisements in, in senior newsletters because, um, you know, it's, uh, from my conversations with folks, especially in the seniors, um, uh, you know, age group, um, they're not, a, I mean, I shouldn't say they're not opposed to it. I don't want to say you know, speak for every single one, but there are certainly plenty of folks out there that I've spoken to that uh, understand the benefits of the product. And many of them have been using it since they were teenagers themselves. <laughs> it's a very, and, and many of them grow it now. Sure. You know? Exactly. And, uh, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's now a legal product and, no. um, you know, you compare it to, to alcohol, a glass of wine, bottle of wine, um, you know, you just don't have the hangover the next morning. That's right. Now, you travel to Colorado. Of course, they're considered one of the uh, landmark states in passing the laws. Uh, did you see how their laws were enacted out there? Yeah, Colorado was a really interesting uh, place to visit and study and talk with stakeholders of, of all areas. We talked with policymakers. We talked with folks that were in the business. But the thing about Colorado that was so fascinating to me was their ballot question was a constitutional amendment. So as soon as that ballot question passed at the ballot box, literally the next day it became law. Ah. So all of a sudden, 
they woke up and all of a sudden marijuana was legal in in uh, Colorado. So, which is part of the reason I think why um, at the time the Massachusetts Senate put together uh, the special commission to go out and visit Colorado because we wanted to learn from them because they weren't necessarily prepared. Um, they had really nothing in place, no, you know, baseline uh, information, you know, data collected. Uh, they had no regulations really developed. Um, it was kind of literally like the wild, wild west out there for a while. Um, and we went out to learn from them. Uh, so they could tell us, hey, you know, this is what happened to us. You guys need to really think about doing A, B, and C. Uh, stay away from D, E, and F and make sure that, you know, you have your, uh, you know, at least a baseline in place should your ballot question ultimately pass. Our ballot question wasn't a, a constitutional amendment or at least wouldn't uh, become law the next day after it was passed by voters. There was a time timeline and then still legislative approval at the end. Mm -hmm. So, but it was a great learning experience um, about preparation <laughs> and making no. sure you can't just ignore no. something and, and hope it doesn't happen. You have to right. be prepared for it um, just in case it does. Huh. Now we're running up against the clock here. I have one more question for you. What do you think is next for cannabis in Massachusetts, either legislatively or regulatorily? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think I've always looked at the different types of products that are out there and that are continually to come on the market. Um, you know, I don't, you know, know if there might potentially be further regulation when it comes to, um, and I'll just use the example of, of some of the different drinks that are out there. Um, you know, regulation in terms of, you know, how many, how much levels can be put into it or something like that. And I'm, I'm literally just using that as an example because I really, I really honestly don't know. Uh, that's, that's an area that, that I, you know, don't have any experience with, but I, you know, it, I think as so many different products start to come on the market in different forms, uh, whether it be, you know, like I said, soft drinks or, you know, cookies or edibles or, tinctures or creams or whatever. I think, you know, the big thing is trying to make sure that uh, the state or in this case, the Cannabis Control Commission stays on top of all the new developments in that area. All right. Our guest has been uh, James T. Welch, former state senator from West Springfield. And before that, he was a uh, state rep from the 6th Hamden District. Jim, we want to thank you for uh, joining us today here on Best Buds. We really appreciate it, and hopefully we'll talk to you again in the near future. Sounds great. Thanks for having me on. I All appreciate right. it. Thank you very much. All right. That's going to wrap up this edition of Best Buds, brought to you by Treehouse Craft Cannabis. They're located at 61 Silver Lane in Dracut. That's located right off Route 113. You just head from Dracut towards Methuen and... Look for Old Dominion Trucking. Go down that road, and they are right at the end of the road. Don't forget now, this program is here every Friday as part of Living for the Weekend at 535, and then repeat it again at 705 on Monday nights. I can't use
Best Buds comes to you as a program to educate and inform about the marijuana industry in Massachusetts. I'm Gary Francis. We'll see you again next time. My mind's on the ceiling, my head's on the floor, there's time in the fridge, but I don't care no more, 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 oh,